Man, I, I'm excited for this series. I'm excited for Christmas time. Um, I love Christmas growing up. It's like the thing I look forward to probably the most every year was Christmas. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas sweaters. I like Christmas movies and Christmas lights and Christmas desserts. Like, right? You can give me some amens there, right? I like Christmas decorations. I like Christmas trees. I like the colder weather that comes with the Christmas season, though it's a little bit different version of cold here compared to Iowa. Um, but also, I love hot chocolate. I love eggnog. I love Christmas gifts. I like Christmas parties. I like all of what Christmas brings. And um, I'm not really a traditionalist. Uh, you might be able to just know that right away by looking at me. Um, but when it comes to Christmas, I'm like, the more traditions, the better. And um, a few years ago, we started a tradition as a family where we started buying a live Christmas tree um, instead of using an artificial one. And um, then when that Christmas tree, you know, in that Christmas season, we would cut off the branches and uh, keep the, um, the main trunk of our Christmas tree cut up. And so the next year, while we're setting up the Christmas tree for that year, we burn the old one so it knows what's happening to it in the future. Uh, not, it's a good tradition for us, probably less for the tree. But um, this past year, we actually lost the part of our tree somewhere in the, the year. So um, we have to like restart it again. So this tree right now is just real happy. It doesn't know what's uh, coming for it. But um, Man, I'm just excited to start our new series of Advent and uh, talk about what this Christmas season is really about. The, the Advent season, if you don't know, this is something that's been um, traditionally done in the church for hundreds of years, if not over a thousand some years, where um, they specifically take the four weeks leading up to Christmas to talk about what we should be anticipating during the season. And it's more of a time of slowing down and reflecting. And I think of anything in our culture right now that we need is probably a little bit more slowing down and a little bit more uh, reflection, right? The, the origin of Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which simply translates to the coming or arrival, not only is this meaning, you know, um, towards the preparation celebration of Jesus' first coming as, you know, his birth at Christmas that we celebrate, but this is also a time to celebrate the new life that comes into you when you believe in Jesus for that first time and as he walks through life with you. But lastly, it's also the anticipation of Jesus' second coming where he comes to make all things new. Right? We, talk, we talk often in church about Jesus being the reason for the season. Right, you guys probably heard that. At one point, I had like a bracelet, a button, a sweater, a hat, um, you know, a sticker on my car that said, Jesus is the reason for this season, you know, and I want people to know. But often, we don't really actually take time during this busy season to really just like let that soak in, right? Maybe we read the story of Jesus' birth, you know, before we open gifts on Christmas, but, you know, we spend weeks shopping for Christmas, wrapping cooking all the desserts and the, the big meal for that day. Right? Just think to yourself for a moment, how much time do you spend during the Christmas season, you know, really thinking about Jesus? Right? When the Christmas season passes, we should be left full of hope and peace and joy and love and adoration for Jesus, but often we're just left full of food and exhausted. So the hope of this series is for you guys to to slow down with me, because I need to slow down too in this Christmas season. Realize that maybe saying no to some of the things that we've always done 
so that we're not distracted from Jesus and be able to say yes to a little bit more Jesus during this season so that we can walk out of here you know, into 2024 full of hope and joy and peace and love and the things that the world needs. And today, our topic is hope. When I was in the sixth grade, my dad, um, he's a pastor, and uh, he took a, a job pastoring another church that was two hours away from the town that I grew up in, uh, which was Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I, I had to move away from everything that I, I'd, I'd ever known, really. And like I said, Christmas is one of those things I look forward to every year. We moved in November, and I remember just being really, really upset that we moved. Um, I mean, there was a whole lot of things. It was, it was frustrating because like, I was moving away from all my family, all my friends. But one of the, like, the big, most frustrating parts about it is in Des Moines, I started junior high in sixth grade. And I had to go back to elementary school when we moved because they had sixth grade through elementary school. And uh, my teacher like, would make fun of me. He's like, you've already graduated elementary school once, so you're stuck here for forever. Uh, but one of the things I get to put on my resume is I graduated from elementary school twice. So, you know, God works everything out for the good of those who love him, right? Uh, but, man, I was just really, really bummed. And I remember that season, like, it really in particular, hoping and looking forward to Christmas because we were going to go back to Des Moines and spend time at my grandma's house. Now, this is one of those Christmas traditions as a kid that we would pile everybody into my grandma's house, all my cousins, all, all 12 of us grandkids, all my aunts and uncles, and my grandma and grandpa jammed into a, a three-bedroom house with one bathroom for multiple days, right? Not just one day. We would all be there. We would, we'd pile all the grandkids, like the girls would all sleep like in the basement, and all the uh, boys would be in the attic because it had no heat, and uh, it'd just be freezing up there, and we would just try and survive for three days, uh, start little fires up there to just not go numb. But I mean, this is like my childhood. And, and like I talked about last week, man, I, I looked forward to events. It's how I got through my life. And um, I remember that the hope that I had knowing that Christmas was coming when we moved in that November, knowing that in two months I was going to be able to go back to Des Moines, put this hope in me. And then that transitioned into every year, just knowing that I, at a minimum I was going back to see my family and have those, that same time with everybody. Now, every part of the Christmas tradition ramped up that hope and that anticipation in me, right? Like, the, right after Thanksgiving, we start hanging the lights around the house. I'm like, mm, that time is coming, you know? Then we, we get the tree. We start making desserts. We're out buying gifts. I'm making my Christmas list and hoping for, you know, all those things to be bought for me. And as a kid, I, I just, I couldn't wait. I was so full of hope and anticipation of what was coming. And that was the beginning of, like, what an understanding of hope would later be in my life, right? And that's a hope that every child, I think, feels, you know, with what's coming towards Christmas. And, and you probably remember, you know, throwing out your Christmas list and wanting those gifts come. But hope is supposed to point to something so much greater and bigger, right, than uh, any earthly thing can offer. As fun as it was to, to make those lists and to wait to open presents during the holidays and gather with my family in that comfortable, familiar environment, the bigger picture behind this holiday is that because of Jesus' birth, we have hope that our greater desires, beyond electronics and toys and jewelry or whatever you're hoping for in this Christmas season, our hope for things like purpose and meaning and significance and forgiveness and wholeness are available to us because of Jesus. And these are gifts we don't have to wait to open. 
Right? When we place our faith in Jesus, they are ours immediately. That reality should fill us with hope, no matter what circumstance or situation we find ourselves in. The people of God in the Old Testament, they were waiting and hoping for God to fulfill his promise to bless them and through them to bless the entire world. Um, in our Discover class, we talked about the different covenants that God had made with his people and everyone increasing on top of the other of God wanting to come and make the people on earth his people and that he would be their God. And the fulfillment of that came through these prophecies about a Messiah. Right? They were hoping for a Messiah. And the word Messiah means the anointed one or the chosen one. Now, now the Messiah would be sent to rescue and heal all of creation from the destructive effects of sin. Now, the prophet Isaiah wrote about this hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. In Isaiah 7.14, he says, All right, then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God promised to give his people a sign. You know, so that, that while they're waiting for this thing to happen, that there would be a sign of this promise and anointed one to finally arrive. It was something to give them hope while they were waiting, something to watch for, to build the anticipation so that when they saw it, their hearts would be even over, like overflowed with hope. Now, I remember the day that finally I'd be able to travel to Des Moines for family Christmas, right? And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm amped for this moment. I've been waiting, you know, this fun, since Thanksgiving for it to happen. And um, when we moved, so Des Moines is in the very center of Iowa. I know some of you guys are thinking Idaho or Ohio when I say that, but uh, Des Moines is right in the center of Iowa. And when we moved, we moved all the way to the, the border of Nebraska and Iowa. We lived right on the edge. And uh, now, it, I don't know how much you guys know about uh, like the interstate system, but uh, if you're traveling east across the state, the numbers count up on the mile markers. And uh, so the the Exit or entrance ramp onto the, the interstate that we would get onto was exit eight, which is mile marker eight. And Des Moines was mile marker 120, the very edge of it. And I remember the full 112 mile markers watching each one and, and my hope and anticipation just growing bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, finally, as I'm seeing, getting close to 120, I'm like, oh, I know we're almost there. Now, this word advent, like I said, it means arrival. Right? This season is a period of active waiting, of anticipation for Christmas and celebrating the Lord, everything that he's given to us right through Jesus. But then also anticipating and waiting for that promise of all the things to come later. Hope, the definition of hope is anticipating a future that is better than the present. Right, men, we need something better than our present. The hardest part about hope is it's found in waiting, right? Because you don't hope for something you already have, right? If you're not waiting for it, there is no chance or ability to hope. Two of the Hebrew words for hope actually directly translate to the word waiting, um, but it's active. It's not just like sitting still. Um, one of them actually just, the Hebrew word is also used when it's talking about like the tension of two things, like holding things together. Like that kind of waiting where you're, you're living in this hard spot, but the tension of also desiring what's to come and knowing what God has promised, right? And you live in that, and that is hope. Now, Des Moines has grown a lot since I used to be there, but I, when I was a kid growing up, there's this commercial building 
that was right on uh, the edge of town that kind of looked like R2-D2. And uh, I tried to download a picture for it, but it didn't work, and I didn't go back to fix it. But you got to trust me. If you literally Google R2-D2 Des Moines, it'll bring up that building because is what it is. But all I remember is that when I saw R2-D2, I knew I was about 10 minutes from my grandma's house. Now, hundreds of years before Mary and Joseph would ever come to Bethlehem, hundreds of years before there was ever that crowded inn that didn't have room for them, or a dusty old stable that would end up being the manger in which Jesus was born, God had spoken hope through the prophets. Right? God told his people to watch for a virgin who would become pregnant. Now, that's an interesting sign, right? First of all, it doesn't happen every day. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever encountered it happening. Um, there's probably some people who tried to say that's what it was. But if it was true, it would, in fact, be a miracle. But this miracle would indicate that it came from God. Right? It didn't come from man. Man couldn't have made that happen. But this pregnant woman would then go on to give birth to a son, and his name would be Emmanuel. The first point I want you to take home today is that the signs of God, the things that God does in your life, are to give you hope. The signs of God working in your life will often be things that you cannot produce on your own. They will be things that only God can do. And that is where hope is born in us. Right? If I could do all the things I needed in my life on my own, I would have no need for God. But the truth is, I need God's divine power in my life to help me stay married, to help me be a good father, to help me lead you guys, to let alone just be a person who is whole. I can't do that without God in my life. And so there are multiple, multiple signs of God interaction in my life. The fact that I still have a wife today is God interacting in my life. When a virgin gives birth to a son, that is the work of God and a sign that he can do anything. I love that the angel Gabriel, when he was visiting Mary, you know, he, before she could probably even ask the question, like, but how is this going to work? He just blurts out, for nothing will be impossible with God. And we need to remember that sometimes when we're looking at this world and we're starting to become a little bit hopeless, right? That, that when God promises something, when God said he's going to be there for you and work in your life and work things out for the good, nothing is impossible for him. So no matter how bleak your situation looks it's nothing for him we are quick to forget the signs of God in our lives right and that leads to hopelessness and usually if we aren't remembering the good things God has done for us then constantly we're thinking of the bad things that we're currently in and part of Advent season you know as the year is coming to an end is to look back and remember all the things in our lives that God has done. Those things in our lives that have only happened because God. So that we can have hope going into the next year. And if you feel that you're hopeless today, look back to see where God has brought you through just this year alone. The second thing I want you to take home is that God with us is the hope we need. It's the name that was given to this child. It's really interesting, right? Emmanuel, this Hebrew word that means God with us. When creation cried out for help, God did not tell it to, to get its act together and then he would come. 
Right? Rather, God saw all that he had made, and he saw that it, it needed rescued. And God made the first move to come towards us. I know Pastor Noah spoke here before about, you know, often people feel that you need to get all cleaned up before you can come to God. And take care of those things, and then I'll come to church. But, you know, that's really like taking a shower before you take a bath. You know, like the, the church coming here is the place where God comes to fix the things in our lives. He's the hope we need. You don't need to be your own hope first. Right? He came first. Paul in Romans 5.8 said it this way, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Right? There's nothing on your part that brought him here. He came first to you to bring hope into your life. God did not come because we deserve it. He didn't even come because you've done something to earn it. Right? He came to us because he loves us. He knew we could not get ourselves out of the mess we were in, and so he came first. It was the knowledge that God would one day return for his people that kept the people of God going. Right? They knew this Messiah was promised, and it kept them moving forward, this God who would be with them. That is what inspired their hope, and today we should be inspired because we know he has come, and that just as all those promises were shared, he has come, and he is here now. Years ago, there was this uh, town in Maine that uh, was going to be flooded because they're, they're building a dam that was needed to you know, control the flow of the river for other places, and they, um, it was a really small town. They gave everybody money for their property, and uh, they were asked, you know, you have this deadline to, to move out before uh, we you redirect the river right through your town and flood everything there. And uh, this man was reflecting on that time and about the months leading up to um, the, the flooding of their city. And he was talking about how no one was taking care of their properties, right? Because they're like, why paint it if it's going to be flooded again? Or why repair the driveway if it's just going to be underwater? Or the, the broken window or, you know, the roof or anything around the town was just slowly falling apart and nobody was going to fix anything. And so week after week, the city looked really disheveled and falling apart. It looked like a city that needed to be flooded, you know. And uh, now he added by uh, this little phrase by just trying to explain it. And he said, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Right? And, and we lose that when we don't have hope. Right? We don't have the power of God moving in our lives today because we often don't hope that things are actually going to be better. At Christmas in our time, we have the luxury of looking back over all those Old Testament prophecies and seeing how many of them came true at the birth of Jesus. The Israelites were just waiting on God to come. But we get to look back at a God who came and presently is still here with us. But far too many of us have that same mentality of the old town, right? We stop believing that God is with us and therefore nothing will ever get better. We stopped hoping for a change in the wind or a bit of new life. Because but when we give up hope, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we lose hope, we stop pursuing our spouses, right? We, we, stop, we turn to substance abuse or to other things to try and fulfill our, our longings and our emptiness inside of us. We lose the will to keep fighting to live. Our mind starts becoming a dangerous place. But here's the good news today. 
right? There was a sign. There was a virgin, and that virgin didn't just become pregnant, gave birth to a God whose name is God with us. So don't lose heart. We're going to jump ahead a little bit in the story of Jesus, but after Jesus' death and his resurrection was his ascension to heaven, and Jesus no longer dwelled here on earth, but we still have God with us as a promise, as a hope for an even better future. Jesus himself told his disciples that he was going to have to go away someday, but it was for their good that he was sending something so much better. And that was literally going to be God with every single person individually through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus on earth could only reach so many people who were going to be around it, but now the Holy Spirit could be with everyone. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit dwelling around us is to be a reminder of the hope that we have. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Now the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. But do you see that? that? That God has guaranteed his promise by being with us today. Every time you feel the Spirit's nudge in your life, every time you see his leading or the ministry happening within you, it should be a reminder of the guarantee that God's promises will come true. Right? Not just in your life, but in the world around us. And it should be a reminder that he is with you today. Therefore, you should have hope. Romans 5, the verse that, that's leading up to um, the verse we quoted earlier, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, um, talks about hope. And verse 1 of Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory, right? That look forward to the same word as, as hope, anticipation. He goes on to say, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they will help us develop endurance. How many of you guys rejoice when you run into a problem or a trial? Right? I'm going to say that's not the words that come out of my mouth. I can't repeat them here. Uh, but, right? Could, could you imagine it instead? You run to, I was, oh, Brian's not in here, but Brian, the other day we were, I mean, it was a little while ago, he was talking about he stubbed his toe or hits his hand with a hammer. And he's like, thank you, Lord, let me have another. And they did, and he's like, all right, I was kidding. You know, I don't really need to rejoice that much, you know. And, uh, but man, what if we had that attitude about life, that when we run into a problem, we have so much hope in God that we know is going to turn out better for us, that we rejoice in those moments instead. Because it helps us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You want a strong hope that allows you to rejoice in the problems? Start with choosing to rejoice in the problems. Because that will then develop a character that then strengthens your confidence and the hope that God has for you. And you know what that hope does? It does not lead to disappointment. It's God's hope does not disappoint, right? I, 
I need to hear that. I know other people here need to hear that. God's hope will not lead you to disappointment. He will work out all those things. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I love this verse so much because it doesn't come down to us. We don't even have to to try and work up the love of God in us. The Holy Spirit is in us, God with us, giving us the love to love God. It says that he's filled our hearts with love so that we can understand how much God loves us. So therefore, we wouldn't be disappointed by the hope that we have in him. Do you believe that today? Are you confident in that today? So where is your hope today? The last point for today is that Jesus' sacrifice gives us hope. Right? The story of Jesus is bookended by two major events, his you know, really miraculous birth, but then also his death and his resurrection. Right? We read about his birth being prophesied in Isaiah 7. But this second event that confirms our hope is also found in a similar place. If you look to the other end of Isaiah 53, this was also prophesied. Starting at verse 4, it says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Hundreds of years before Jesus grows up to be a man who then carried out three years of powerful ministry. Hundreds of years before he was arrested and crucified and killed. Isaiah writes about how that manger would then lead us to the cross. Jesus was pierced in his hands and his feet by nails holding him to that cross. He was crushed and he was beaten by his accusers. He was punished for wrongs that he never committed himself. And he received wounds on our behalf. And it's by the suffering that he went through that we have freedom from our own sins and our own rebellion. Though you and I are deserving of death, Jesus took it on himself. Your hope of healing your hope of freedom from whatever you're going through, your your hope for wholeness, for eternal life is made possible because of Jesus. I heard someone once say that if Christmas is about the promise, then Easter is the proof. We celebrate Christmas because we know that resurrection is coming. We've been given the awesome privilege of offering this hope that we found in Christ this hope that that is supposed to keep us going and anticipating this better future that is to come, we've been privileged with being able to share that to the other people around us. And what a better season to do it in than Christmas, right? Now, sometimes this sharing costs us something. You know, sometimes there's a, a sacrifice involved, but considering all that God has done for me, it's often the least that I can do. David Livingstone was a Scottish missionary and explorer who spent 33 years um, as a missionary in the heart of Africa. 
and uh, he endured a lot of suffering, a lot of things in his life to spread the gospel and to open up the doors for more missionaries to come. And uh, this is a quote from him. He said, people talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with the foregoing of the common conveniences and the charities of this life may make us pause and cause our spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared to the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. And this holiday season, may your hearts be filled with the hope that is ours found in the birth and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. May we be so overwhelmed with gratitude that we would be compelled to serve and sacrifice for the people around us as a way of sharing hope to the world, showing them that there's somebody who cares, showing them that there is something better to look forward to. Our hope that was given to us was never given to us so that we could store it up, so that we could hoard it all and hold it in. Our hope is given to us so that we can share it to the world around us. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 is discussing the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to us from God. And he he says this starting in verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We are called to be God's ambassadors. We represent him to the world, and that means that we bring hope into the world. In essence, we are called to take all the hope that we have and share it with those around us by being God with them. Because God is in us. My mentor, my spiritual travel guide, um, always preaches, one of his main things is that we are God bringers. Not only are we created in the image of God, but because of the fact the Holy Spirit lives in us, that when we walk into a room or we walk into a store or we walk into Starbucks, that we bring God in. So when you encounter a person in your workplace or at school or during your, you know, running errands or just in your neighborhood, you bring God into people's lives, to people who may never meet him any other way. And you have a job. Right? Jesus said that, or Paul said there that you've been given the task of reconciling people to God. You have a job to impart hope into those people's lives. Our servant king has been born, and he has given us an example to follow. So what is one way you can offer hope to someone this week? Maybe it's sacrificially giving to an organization or individual in need. Perhaps it's just 
writing a letter of encouragement or a note to someone you know who's going through a hard time to talk about the hope you have. This is a great opportunity to share what God has done in your life when you start reflecting on this past year and the things he's done in you. Let's wrap up with this. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20 says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. And these two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain and into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. This hope we have in God, like we talked about, it doesn't disappoint. It is strong and trustworthy. And I love that he uses the word as an anchor, right? Because what you need in the time of of stormy sailing and rough seas is an anchor you can trust in to hold you in place. And that is found in the hope that God offers. Jesus has already defeated and conquered everything we may struggle with. That's why he is trustworthy. Because he has already gone before us and made a path. That should fill you with hope. Right? Have you ever been lost before and you encounter somebody who knows the way? And the hope all of a sudden you feel, I'm going to make it out of here alive. Right? This mall was huge. I didn't know how to get out of here. And that should be the hope that we carry every day of our life because Jesus has already paid the, paved the way. Can everyone just close their eyes for a moment? Headed into this season, I want to ask, do you need hope? Maybe new hope. Maybe a reminder of the hope you once had. Maybe you realize that the anchor your hope has been tied to was not an anchor that you can be confident in. And you need a hope that you can trust a hope that does not disappoint. Maybe you've never invited this Jesus into your life, and so you don't know what it means to have God with us, to have a God with you who's promised to walk through all things with you and bring you to the other side. And if you would like to do that today, or you need hope today, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Let me pray for you guys. God, we're just so grateful for the hope that you offer. Because that is not a hope that disappoints, but it's a hope that we can put our full trust into, our full confidence in, because it will bring us to the other side, because you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. God, that we can look back in the the history of our uh, beliefs, Lord, and see where you've proven yourself to be true, and trustworthy where the the prophecies have been fulfilled, and so we know that you will continue to do the work. God, and in this season of anticipation and looking forward to to what you have for us, Lord, God, that we would be full of hope, that we'd be anticipating the better future to come and not just stuck in the, the world and the life we have right now and seeing what's in front of us, but knowing that you are leading us to someplace better. God, I pray for those who raise their hands, God, that you would give them a new hope today. 
that the, those who maybe are, are choosing for the first time to really follow you, Jesus, that, that they would encounter hope, the living hope. That they would feel you with them walking through this same life alongside you, Lord. God, I, I just thank you so much for what you offer to us, Lord, when, even though we're so undeserving, God, that you gave your son for us so that we could have hope through this life, Lord, instead of walking through aimlessly in the dark. Jesus, we're so thankful for what you've given as a sacrifice for us. Help us be reminded of the hope we can have in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Throughout scripture, whenever they, they talk of hope that comes from God, it was followed with the actions to receive hope, right? And those actions were to believe, to repent, and then to tell someone. But you have to believe in the hope, right? That this Jesus who came as a baby during Christmas time 2,000 years ago, is the son of God, that he did live that perfect life and he died to defeat sin. And in defeating death, he rose to a new life so that he could bring you into his family and give you a hope for a better future. And secondly, we were commanded to repent. And now repentance just means to change direction in our lives. When we sin, we miss the mark. And repentance is trying to start hitting the mark in our lives. Some of you already know there's some adjustments you need to make in your life. Some of you are like, I'm not really sure what I need to do. Keep coming here, and uh, we'll help guide you because God is calling us all to a path that he has for us. And then lastly, it says that we're supposed to confess with our mouths that Jesus is our Lord and to be saved. So before you leave here today, if you made that decision for the first time, tell someone. Um, let somebody know I made this decision. In one way, is just so that they can start praying for you and walk alongside you through this journey. Um, you could also let us know by filling out one of those cards or the Connect With Us link on uh, online and there's a box that said that you made a decision for jesus today um we have a gift to help you walk through that but we also want to be praying for you now for all of us our hope comes in multiple forms titus 2 11 through 14 shares with us the different hope that we can have for the grace of god has been revealed bringing salvation to all people right we have hope that salvation has been given to us and that we can have that in jesus we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. And we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward, note again, hope, look forward with hope, to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Right, so through this season, don't just look only back at what Jesus has done with hope, but look forward to like the, the fullness that he brings every day in your life and will eventually bring as he brings a new creation. So the season of Advent, like I said, is a time more of a time of reflection. And so we're going to do some different things to help you reflect through this um, this series here, and so don't rush out of here right now. We, we're not quite done with service, um, but we'll get you out in the next couple hours. Uh, <laughs> right, but no, we're going to do a couple things um, here as the you guys can come up um, to help us slow down. One of the things we're doing is um, we're starting a, on December 1st. We're going to send a, a text out each day with just a Bible verse to help you focus on... Uh, 
the season of Advent to remind you of what, um, what we're supposed to be focused on each and every day. And so if you want to join that texting thing, you can text Advent to 833-255-4381. That'll go out before it starts. And uh, if you've already done one of our text series before that we've done, um, you'll get a reminder um, via text on how to sign up for that as well. And then um, during service at the the end of every service, um, we're going to do a short reading that's just going to kind of help us focus in on the, the topic of Advent for that day. And, um, and then we're going to have a song of reflection. Now, the words for the songs are not going to be on the screen um, because I want you to reflect. Now, if you know the words and you want to sing along and that's how you want to reflect, feel free to. Um, but just a moment, they're going to read and then we're going to have a song. And I want you to think about what are some of the things that God has done in your life this past year that only God can do to start to stir up that hope for your future. And then also think, how can you go and share about these things to spread hope into other people. When darkness surrounds us, we lose our way. Darkness leaves us disoriented, lacking direction or destination. In the midst of uncertainty, a single light, like the flickering of a candle's flame, can help us find our way again. Like the reassuring light of God that steers our hearts, let this candle's gentle glow symbolize the certainty brought by the promise of Jesus Christ. Today, as we light the candle of the Advent wreath, we celebrate the coming of Jesus with the candle of hope. Let us unite under its soft light, finding solace in preparing our hearts and minds for the imminent coming of God's beloved Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. With quiet reverence, let us embrace all this light represents, its radiance echoing the words of the prophet Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, our light will shine. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Psalm chapter 80, verses 2 to 3. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. Softly the dance of this flame, our hearts fill with hope. In the joy of his name, the light delivered, we promise him of the embrace of our Savior to keep us above. Fire in our souls, ignite with your name, for Christ will shine on in the warmth of this world. O oh, gracious God, renew our spirits and let your light shine upon us. As we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, and the days grow shorter, may this light brighten our path, banishing any darkness within us. Prepare our hearts for the joy and happiness that comes with the arrival of your Son, our hope, Jesus. We ask for your blessings in his name. Amen.
Help us to look forward in this uh, season, God, to the better things that you've promised in our lives, God. God, help us to rejoice when we come into moments of trials and problems because we know you're going to bring us to the other side. We know that you are working things out for better for us, Lord. God, I pray that, that we would walk around of people so full of hope uh, in you not in hope that we've built up or not in, in hope that we can solve these things, but because we believe in a God who cannot fail his promises. That we believe in a God who's come and done everything already for us, who has given us a guarantee, who's given us so much more life for us. God, would that hope radiate out of us into the world around us, Lord, in this world that's so dark and so in need of hope, God, that we would be hope when we bring God into their lives. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see uh, moments where we can share about you, that we can share about what you've done in our lives and, and give hope to someone else by encouraging them, by building them up and doing the very things you've done to us, God. Help us to bring to be God bringers and to be a light in a world that needs it. God, we thank you for all you've done and the hope you give. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Go and be a hope to the world today.